Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hello, guys. Coming up on today's show, Jacob Elordi is it right now, and those rampant rumours that he's fresh out of a breakup, yeah, they weren't quite right. Kim Kardashian's office tour was completely unhinged, and How I Met Your Mother's Josh Radner got married, and you could say... A lot went down. (laughs) I cannot wait for that story. I can't wait for it. And then Mish comes to the table with a My Two Cents, a viral article with the headline, You Don't Need to Document Everything is Doing the Rounds This Week. And she has thoughts. Now, so do I. First, Michelle, how was your week? It was a good week. I finally cleaned out my car after four years of owning it. Like my boot. Oh, God. Over four years, my boot just accumulated various items and I want to maybe give you guys a bit of a multiple choice okay as to what I found in my car boot how fun you'll allow me also sidebar did you clean it because you had to drive some members <laughs> to our retreat yes. last week we had a retreat <laughs> and I knew you guys needed to put bags in my car and I felt deeply ashamed and embarrassed of what was in my boot Fair. Mitch helped me god bless my husband we were out in like our carport cleaning it out here's your like multi-choice Okay. A, a single gum boot, yeah. not with its pair. Yeah. B, a letter addressed to someone called Damon Peak. C, a 2020 wedding invite. Or D, a note my little sister wrote when she was seven. <laughs> Annabelle, you go first. I think it's the Damon one. <laughs> I don't because she'll pride herself on how random that is. Damon Peak. When yeah. she made it up. She'll be thinking that was a good option because they would have thought for it. It's either C or D. C's a little on the boring side. 2020 wedding invite. So I'm going to go D. It was E, all of the above. Oh. (laughs) All of that I found in my boot. I still don't know where the matching gum boot is. As if you have gum boot. Yeah. No, I had absolutely everything. I also have no idea who Damon Beak is. It wasn't (laughs) even addressed to like my former, you know, when you live somewhere and you get a random. No, this was like a random address. I think it's illegal then to steal Damon's mail. Yeah. No, it absolutely is. Damon, if you're listening, I did not open it. I am it's holding on to you. it. If you want it, I'm yeah. holding on to it. Very cool. <laughs> I do have a recommendation Hit me. for the week. There is a podcast series called World of Secrets. They've just released season two. It's called The Disciples. Every season deep dives a secretive world, as you might imagine. We're this, talking Jesus disciples? Or? Yeah. We're, well, we're talking cult disciples. Wow. And... I just think the BBC has done such an exceptional job at this. A very, very quick top line summation is it follows a group of young women in the UK aged between 18 and 21 who discover this church in Nigeria and move over there and then live within that church, which, I mean, spoiler alert, is a cult. Yeah. One woman spent 13 years of her (gasps) life there. I have been binging this. I actually only found it last night, which meant that my other recommendation for the week got absolutely bumped. <laughs> I've listened to five episodes wow. in a night. It is just How do really you well listen done. to a podcast episode of an evening? I went for the longest walk of oh, my life. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I got so many steps in last night because I just kept on, you know, power walking down the street. Another episode. We go again. We go again. <laughs> the BBC has done an exceptional job. The two journalists who work on this 
are incredible. They just have a huge amount of respect for them. They go. One of them lives in Nigeria. Yeah. And the other lives in the UK. They travel to this church and they get shot at, which is not a spoiler alert. You actually hear that in the first 30 seconds of the podcast. It's high stakes. It's fascinating. The storytelling is so complex and so beautifully done. I haven't finished it yet, so I'm still on a bit of a cliffhanger. But I recommend it to you if you love anything that's cultish and mysterious and a little creepy. Love it. What about you? How was your week? Don't know if that's the energy I want in my week, but I love it. I had a great week. Love it. Won't listen to it. I love January in Melbourne. There is no better time to be in this city I have to be honest I mean I know we are working with the Australian Open at the moment but naturally I have to say I love the Australian Open it is my favorite time of year Annabelle's looking at me no I'm going tonight guys oh good you see this is the thing everybody loves it it's so much fun can I also say the fried chicken burger at the Oz Open delicious oh nice I didn't have that one but (laughs) good vibes I have two recommendations for you today the first one is Greta Gerwig on Desert Island Discs Desert Island Discs will always Always be my desert island podcast. <laughs> it is the best, and I always get so excited when my favorite people go on the show. I just love her. I love everything about her. I love that all of her desert island discs were musical theater, even though I hate musical theater. <laughs> I just loved the whole thing, so I couldn't recommend that more, especially since she was robbed for her best director nomination at the Oscars. Oh, she had to squeeze it in. You are. You That's are all upset. I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> the second thing I want to recommend. Look, this generally does go against my own rules of recommendations which is try not to recommend things of people you know because it sounds biased Mm -hmm. but I promise the listeners I will only recommend you good things in my opinion. I would love to recommend Cheeky Run Club. Two of the best runners I know, two people that I know, Anna and Phoebe, are amazing and they have decided to start a podcast and a running community online. Now I know so many people might be listening to this thinking but I'm not a runner. Mm. Like I couldn't be less interested in running. In fact I hate running. I truly believe if you don't consider yourself a runner you will really enjoy this show if you like to exercise, if you like New Year energy, if you like hearing about um, habits and things like that. Their first episode is kind of about their word of the year, Mish, which we did a bonus episode about that. But in the context of running and exercise and New Year's resolutions, it's so not wanky, which I think is the best part. Like one of the conversations they have is about how so few people in the world will call themselves a runner. Mm. Even people that run five times a week are too embarrassed if they're not professional at it. So I really loved it. If you are just intrigued and I promise you as I say if you're not a full-time runner but still interested give it a listen because I think I think they could create something very beautiful with this running community. I have a bit of FOMO when it comes to running communities. I only learned these existed like last year late last year because Cassie in the shameless media office big runner did the marathon with her partner and I learned about this and I had the most potent FOMO. I was like I hate running it's not for me but I want to be part of a running club. Can I join if I'm genuinely, I haven't run, I have not broken a stride (laughs) in years. Yes, you absolutely can. I think if you also want to get into running, it would be a really beautiful listen as well. Even though they are themselves pretty incredible runners, it's very approachable. I could join as an admirer, not a peer. Exactly. (laughs) You're just watching everyone run. I'm no peer either. That's perfect. Um, They're my recommendations. Before we jump into the quick and dirty today, we have to thank over 14,000 of you who signed up to Smart Dumb Stuff, our pop culture newsletter. So good. I hope the rest of you have FOMO. Oh, you you should. It went out on Monday and I think it was great. Yeah, if you missed it last week, we have an anonymous columnist, Frank Eilish Gilligan, who is our pop culture journalist here at Shameless Media, does a section called Pop Alt. We do a bit of a social sleuth section where we share our favourite celebrity or public figure social post of the week. And then, of course, Zara and I edit the whole thing. Like, this is something that is our baby. We don't make the thing ourselves, we but we do Frank. edit the thing. We are not Frank. No. Do no. the people believe that, though? No. Uh, bit of someone- mystery. Could be a, Annabelle. A couple of <laughs> like when everyone thought I was Demois. Oh, <laughs> oh no, let's sorry, spell check. Spell check. Everyone thought Annabelle was sort of spell check. A couple of theories came through yeah. suggesting who Frank might be. They could not have been more What did they say? Wrong. Oh, just a bunch of Australians where I was like, no, no, no. Maybe on your Say Friday this week we'll get some more. Do some guesses. I would love to hear who you think it is. We won't tell you, but I'll enjoy it. <laughs> Shall we get into the quick and dirty, though? Let's do it. As you guys know, the quick and dirty is the top uh, five stories. <laughs> I wish you could no, see your face right now. Just let me, let me try. Go. Fly, lady. <clears throat> the quick and dirty is the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Zara 
Alice McDonald. Alice with an E McDonald. What have you got for us? I love it. We went back to our origin. Yeah, Just the OG. The, OG, <laughs> the, the actual middle name. Yeah, our first story. Jacob Elordi and Olivia Jade are still together with Laurie Lachlan's daughter, joining the star in New York City for the SNL rehearsals after split speculation. That is from the Daily Mail. I've been super interested in this story this week, and I find the whole thing a bit strange. But in case you missed it last week, about a day before Jacob Elordi was due to take the stage for his SNL hosting debut, which, by the way, is a huge deal. I would say arguably the biggest deal in his career so I, far. I agree. I mean, maybe if it's not the biggest deal, maybe like getting one of his movie contracts or, you know, being on Euphoria is. I think it's the biggest sign that he is on his way to A-list stardom. It's legit. Legitness. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Now, the day before that, Us Weekly confirmed, and I have that in adverted commas, that he and his girlfriend of about two years, Olivia Jade, had broken up. Now, Us Weekly didn't give a reason why. They just emphatically announced a breakup had occurred. Yeah. And quick background on this one. You guys will recognise the name Olivia Jade because she is, of course, from the college admissions scandal. We did two episodes on that last year. These two were first spotted together in late 2021. They've been a little bit on again, off again. They reportedly broke up in August 2022, but then reconciled a month later. They're very private, so it's kind of hard to actually track when they're on or when they're off. They're very private. Now, we got the news that these two had broken up and then within a matter of hours, people came out and confirmed that actually they hadn't broken up at all. They're still together. By the time he was hosting SNL, she was there. She was at the after party that night in this massive fur coat. She looked she quite looked amazing. fabulous. Yeah. Um, she, oh, God. I uh, don't know if the fur was real or not. Oh! <laughs> That she looks fabulous if it's animal friendly. Exactly right. <laughs> let's, let's be on the right side of history on that one. Now, I, I think I was intrigued by this story because I will always look at stuff like this and be like, how did this happen? Mm. How does a publication like Us Weekly come out and emphatically get it wrong? I would care less if it was like The Sun saying that they had broken up or reportedly broken up or something like that. But for Us Weekly to come out and say, yeah, they have broken up, I'm like, where where does this go wrong? Is this, okay, I have a theory. It's a dumb theory. But no, it's I love theory. it. As you said, this is like one of the biggest moments of Jacob Elordi's career. Like he is hitting his stride in the wake of Saltburn. He's never been more at the top of his field, right? Is there any chance... Timmy Chalamet has been watching on from the wings going, I am still supreme and I will fuck you up before you host SNL and I'll throw a spanner in the works to derail you. Okay, well, I thought the first half of that theory was going like the second half, not. He's been sabotaged. Someone I sabotaged I'd be surprised you. if they planted this themselves. Why? Because people were then talking a lot about his SNL hosting mm. debut. They were looking for her a lot. I think mm. it's actually not bad for the both of them. The thing that's that a I, way smarter theory. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going, and I was like, yeah, yeah. But I think people don't really like these two together. I mean, people are still pissed off at her for the college admission scandal, of which I've had thoughts. I said them on our scandal. Oh, two whole episodes I've, of I've thoughts. Done, I've given you the thoughts to <laughs> go and chase that. But I am, I am intrigued about that. Or they actually did break up and got yeah. back together very quickly. I reckon it was that. Do you reckon it was yeah. that? Well, they are on again, off again. I, it is interesting. As you said, Zara, people don't, like on the whole, don't love this relationship. The top comments on every TikTok about them is, Jacob, pick me. I got into university like a legit way. Right. So people really don't like her. Maybe people are just wanting them to break up. So <sighs> hope to like manifest it. Yeah, I quite like them together. I see them together and I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Works. But I feel neutral. I don't feel heaps. Mm-mm. As a quick aside, just to kind of do my due diligence for my job here, oh, let's talk about how he went at SNL very quickly. I think largely. It went fine. No one was kind of glowing about it, but it also wasn't dragged. I mean, the Atlantic Review that kind of reviewed his hosting ran with the headline, we get it, he's a heartthrob. Mm. And then they opened the piece with this. If you know two things about the Saltburn and Priscilla star, Jacob Elordi, you're probably aware that he's very tall and very handsome in a classical way. Sharp cheekbones, strong chin. If you were seeking more information, you didn't get it from his hosting gig on last night's episode of Saturday Night Live. Here's a snippet from the show. I absolutely run through women. Mm. 
I mean, my appetite is insatiable. That is so sad. And is there an age cutoff or a body type you go for? No, no, it's any and all types, all of them. I don't really have to go. I thought I was just stupid, but does anyone get that? I kind of get it, but it's cringe. (laughs) I've got to say, I think if this is verging anywhere, it's neutral, slight, slight, slight flop. I feel like he had all the hallmarks to have viral moments and every moment I saw went like kind of okay on social media, but kind of still left me being like, meh. Yeah, I do agree I do with love you. him, though. I think if we're tilting to one side, it's tilting to flop, but it's not like if you're in Jacob Elordi's team, you're not worried about no, no, it. No, no, no. I think all of those thoughts aside, I do have to spend a second marvelling at the stratospheric success of Jacob Elordi in the last year mm. or two. I mean, he really went from the kissing booth to euphoria to Elvis. Like, they are giant leaps from each other. Yeah. And now suddenly he's a full A-lister and I I don't think I've seen anyone in such a long time jump this quickly. Do you guys feel like that? Maybe not for an Australian. Yeah, like, maybe I think it's the Aussie thing. I'm in a place right now where I feel super excited. I feel like we've had a whole new legion, like a new generation of Aussie A-listers, people yeah. from Australia who are going to really make it in Hollywood. Like obviously Margot Robbie is the top of the tree. But Jacob Elordi is right up there with her to see how international audiences fucking love him. And I think as well to what you just spoke about, Zara, he's done the like Gen Z focused stuff in the kissing booth and euphoria. But now he's doing really mainstream all generation projects like the Priscilla movie is going to be watched by everyone but also Saltburn was, was the movie of the Australian summer and, of course, you know, the American-European winter. He's just it and he's kind of done – is it called the four quadrant? I think I've heard Margot Robbie speak about that. He's hit every key demographic, I feel, in the last yeah, three years. Yeah, I did hear Margot Robbie yeah, talk about that in the Hollywood yes. roundtable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, we're we all need the it same. to be a four quadrant movie. And, and I was, I was like, Googling yes. four <laughs> quadrant <laughs> I think every I just went to the comments and someone defined yeah. it. And now me. you know what? This year on Shameless, we'll just throw in four quadrant and we're all on the same and we page. Are not a four quadrant show. <laughs> no, like, no, that'd no. Be no. Oh, we are maybe half a quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> How second story. Sophia Vergara reveals why she split with Joe Mangianello seven months after their breakup. That is from Pedestrian. Yeah, guys, a quick one. We first, of course, learned that Sophia and Joe were divorcing last July. There's always been question marks as to why I think everyone was really surprised when these two split. They were together for a decade, but Sophia has actually given answers to a Spanish newspaper, Zara. Yeah, 100%. So in this newspaper, she said, I am newly divorced from my second husband who I was with for 10 years. My marriage broke up because my husband was younger. Yeah. He wanted to have kids and I didn't want to be an old mum. I feel it's not fair to the baby. I respect whoever does it, but that's not for me anymore. I mean, she does have a 32-year-old as well, keep in mind, but I find it, I just always get very surprised when celebrities like this are open, like are willing to kind of open the door into their Mm. lives because I never expect them to do that. I'm always surprised as well, I've got to be honest, when a couple gets married and is together for 10 years and then get divorced on account of differing views around children. I, I wonder if maybe they had decided something and then one of them changed their mind. Say Joe said, yeah. I don't need my own biological children and then decided later in life that he did. I do find it surprising, but it's very clear they ended up on very different pages. I mean, she said, I'm almost in menopause. It's the natural way of things. She wants to be, like focus on being a grandmother, not a mother. So you can imagine how that would just completely... They're different pages if I've ever heard Oh my God, yeah, it's just not going to work. So it was interesting that she was so candid and honest, but it's one of the reasons I really like Sofia Vergara. I really liked them together though. Anyway, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Kim Kardashian's office tour and then Josh Radner, the story (laughs) you don't know that you're going to care about. First, a word from today's sponsor. Our third story, Kim Kardashian's office has literally everything, even a 3D brain scan. That is from W Magazine. Yes, guys, Kim Kardashian has jumped on one of the biggest TikTok trends of the moment with mixed results. Oh, my God. Annabelle, have Mm. you seen the of course trend? No, I haven't. Of course you haven't. (laughs) 
Oh. It's like, I'm Annabelle. Of course I like indie movies. Oh, yes, 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 I have seen this. Yeah, oh, there yeah. we go, gal. All right, so. Is that a good example? <laughs> that was very, very good. I, I had prepared an example for okay. you, just in case. Go. The shameless media version of this would mm-hmm. be, I work at shameless media. Of course we have a framed photo of Zendaya on the wall. We but don't we, have we that. Don't oh, we don't actually We don't. We, we probably should have that. But that's an example to be like, we're a pop culture yeah. or like we do pop culture here and we do women's stuff. Of course Zendaya is... In the office. Right. We should do this for our TikTok, guys. Yeah, I think we might be late now. I think oh. we're about four days behind. Okay. Yeah. Which okay. in TikTok land may as well be four years. Yeah, <laughs> true. Giving millennial. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, that was just my example. Kim did this trend. She posted her video late last week. It has over 4 million likes and 22 million views. We'll play you guys a snippet. I'm Kim Kardashian. Of course, I have all my magazine covers covering my walls. I'm Kim Kardashian. Of course, I have my mannequin with my custom measurements in my glam room. I'm Kim Kardashian. Of course, I have my beauty campaigns on loop on a big TV wall. I'm Kim Kardashian. Of course, I have 3D models, my brain and my plane in my office. I won't lie. The mannequin with her custom measurements is kind of iconic. Yeah. I don't mind that one. I am not as much a fan of the 3D models of her private plane and the 3D model of her brain but I, that is on her desk. Sure. It doesn't look the size of a brain, I will say. That looks a little small. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. <laughs> Let me rephrase. Maybe human brains are smaller than I thought. Because if anyone has a bigger than average size human brain, it's Kim Kardashian. Everyone knows She's I think Everyone knows I, know. I think that nobody, God, I feel like I'm on edge with this episode. <laughs> yeah. No one come for me, we know what I mean. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I don't mind the 3D models of the brain, to be honest, because I think she's taking the piss. Okay. Like Kim is pretty unserious a lot of the time. Yes. I think that's quite funny. I wasn't a huge fan. We didn't play you this in the snippet, but she does have an amphitheater in her office. It's like a place where they watch movies and stuff. And she says it's custom Rick Owens. <laughs> Obviously, Rick Owens is a very well-respected designer. But if she hadn't told me that it's custom Rick Owens, I would have looked at that amphitheater and be like, that is the fucking ugliest amphitheater. It's all so grey and boring. <laughs> and then she said it's Rick Owens. I'm like, that's genius. Uh, <laughs> just beautiful stuff. I mean, another bit that we didn't play because the audio was a bit funky was she said, I'm Kim Kardashian. Of course, I have a tanning bed and a red light bed in my office. A tanning bed. Now, this bit really got some feedback. Funnily enough, not in the comments on the video. People were very hung up on the plane and brain bit, but the media absolutely latched on to the tanning bed detail. One of the first publications to call it out was Allure. They published this piece with the title, Please, Kim Kardashian, Don't Try to Normalize Tanning Beds. They noted in that piece that the World Health Organization's Cancer Research Agency categorizes tanning beds in the same cancer-causing group as cigarettes. Yeah, The heat was enough that Kim responded, replying to Alua's tweet with, I have psoriasis and it really helps when it's bad, but I don't use it too often. (laughs) (laughs) This is 2015 Kim Kardashian. I just, I, I can't help but wonder if she's feeling really irrelevant at the moment. Bit of relevancy deprivation syndrome. I think so. And is back sort of in her clickbaiting era. Get your ass up and work. I completely agree. I think the way Kim Kardashian is relevant at the moment is through skims, but it's not necessarily her. The brand is relevant. People love that brand, but people aren't really talking about the Kardashians. I think they are Kylie Jenner. I would say Kylie Jenner is the only one right now maintaining relevancy. Well, we said at the end of last year, it was pretty astounding that the Kardashians didn't make it into the COs. Barely did, yeah. At all. Like that's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, the other point that you made is it's pretty outrageous given Khloe Kardashian recently had melanoma, something that was covered on the show. It is just a really, really odd decision. And the only thing that makes sense to me as to why you'd run the gauntlet like this is feeling like you needed to be back in the zeitgeist. I agree. I genuinely feel like the family has gotten together and said, what were we doing five years ago to be super relevant that's not happening right now. And what they were doing five years ago is sucking on diet lollipops and wearing waist trainers and telling us to drink laxative tea. Yeah. I feel like they've said to each other, hey, do we just dip our toe back in the water of saying outrageous health things on social media in the hope that then generates headlines and we're popping up again and again, which is, I don't agree with that. 
but I wouldn't mind betting that's the case. Well, look how much we respond to when Gwyneth does it. I wouldn't be surprised if they start following the Gwyneth model and actually start going around some of the the kookier kind of health things. She'll be hooked up to when I yeah, be doing a podcast I do. next. I can see that happening. Yeah. Our fourth story, King Frederick, we haven't <laughs> mentioned that before, he used to be <laughs> Prince, makes an honest admission about what his relationship with Mary is really like behind closed doors and drops a veiled hint at a fair scandal with Mexican socialite. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he, <laughs> he, he actually didn't at all. That's from the Daily Mail. I didn't write the headline. No, you didn't. But you did request this story so here we are. Because we didn't have time to fit it in last year, but Fred and Mary are king and queen. They're no longer prince and princess. Mm. <laughs> a sleigh, a real sleigh. A, a real sleigh. Not great timing for those affair rumours. Not, I imagine, not great timing. I imagine the queen had already thought of stepping down and then those pap photos come out. She probably had to delay a month or two. <laughs> Oh my God, she yeah, definitely did. Doubt. She's like, that trip to Costa Rica is going to have to wait. I need to hang out here for 60 more days because my son potentially has got himself into some trouble. Yeah. Okay, I do actually maybe care about this story because when you fought for this, I was like, must we discuss King Frederick? <laughs> do you know, over the break, I don't know if I told you this, Annabelle, I missed an email in my inbox. And it was like <laughs> the worst email I've ever missed in my entire life because I wasn't checking my emails that much. And it was from the New York Times <gasps> who needed a Mary. Oh, a Mary expert. Mary expert. No way. The New York Times reached no. out being like, hi, we're looking we'd for Zara McDonald. We know she's an expert on the future they queen of Denmark. They an expert, but they said, we'd love you. Oh, my, I'm so proud of and you. No, but I missed the email and I, I went back and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I missed this. Please keep me in mind. <laughs> Is there time still? Is there? If you're not an expert, would you consider yourself a Queen Mary hobbyist? I would say a hobbyist. I was a bit embarrassed because I was like, I don't know if I'm an expert. You're a stan. I care. And I would happily <laughs> just pretend I was an expert. Like no imposter syndrome here. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that did happen. Can I share one of my favourite tidbits about this particular story, right? Yes. So obviously that Daily Mail headline said like, he makes an honest admission about his marriage with Mary. <laughs> this is all because he's released a 110-page memoir. And I just want to hone in on that detail for a quick sec. Quite short. Can it? <laughs> can a memoir be 110 pages? I feel like it's sitting right on the cusp between dissertation and memoir. Like how many, this would be like a pamphlet. Yeah, I agree. Is it just so that like he kind of rebrands himself as king? I don't know. It's called The King's Word. It's co-authored with a guy called Jens Anderson who wrote his biography back in 2017. I'm just confused. If the king is writing a memoir, I just feel like you go 300 pages or you go all the way to Barack and Michelle Obama territory and you turn out a Bible. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you got to be skimming some details. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, dare I say, you're skimming the rumoured affair. Oh, I, think you are. I mean, in the book, Fred said that he and Mary have a super dynamic and said that she's helped him rewrite the lessons handed down from his very patriarchal father, Prince Hendrik. I've got to be honest, the next quote is, is quite curious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to read it out? Please. I have learned a lot from having a wife who, from time to time, reminds me that I am, of course, not always right and that my words are not reliable per se, just because I'm the man of the house. Although I can sometimes catch myself thinking, oh, do we really need five more minutes of discussion? I accept that Mary would like to turn over a few more stones and then we'll take five or ten minutes more. Like, I don't like I think if this was sort of a rebranding decision, he should have just swallowed the words. <laughs> Take them back. <laughs> he should have been like, I am a sensitive new age guy. I, I'm this really be interested. Less naggy. Yeah, oh but this God. is so royal. If you I think know. about it, they would all be this way. Does this affect the way? Because you love these two. You love the marriage. You no, love the love, I love story. Mary. Has this made it a little bitter for you? Or like a little hard to swallow, maybe? I just think he sounds like a bit of a dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he does. He sounds He sounds what like quite mean? a dick. My words are not reliable just because I'm the man of the house. Of course like... I am not always right. Sometimes I catch myself thinking, do we really need five more minutes of discussion? <laughs> yes, Fred. Yes, we do. <laughs> oh, we do. <laughs> Our fifth and final story for the quick and dirty today. A psychedelic trip leads to a cosmic and divine celebration of love. That is from the New York Times. Guys. Guys. We need to talk about how I met your mother's Josh Radner's wedding this month because, my goodness. And when we were preparing this story, I put it in our Slack window and then I said, I'm not sure if it's for us. Zara started deep diving it and said, it is absolutely for us. Do not read a single 
other word on it, I will deliver it in the podcast and it will be fresh to yourself and myself, Annabelle. Right, because all I'd seen about this was the lovely photo that is everywhere of them at the wedding. And I was like, oh, oh Josh Radner got married. Well, I didn't know there a story. There's a little bit more to it. Oh. Now, do we know who we're talking about when I say Josh Radner from How I Met Your Mother? Main yes. character in How I Met Your Mother, his name Ted. was Ted. Ted Mosby. Yes. Ted Mosby. There we go. Now, we originally stumbled on this story because... We found a piece on The Cut where they wrote about the wedding and they were so sassy about this wedding that they almost seemed annoyed. And I was like, what's the big deal? Bit sassy over someone getting married. Then I read the original New York Times article about this and now I understand. <laughs> and I'm going to take you through it. Now, I want to start this story by reading you the opening of the New York Times piece on the wedding. Now, a journalist from the New York Times was actually at the wedding. So Joshua oh. invited the New York Times to his wedding. Yes. Joshua, you always do this. <laughs> Joshua. <laughs> Christopher. Christopher. Is, it Christopher Fine. Um, is that a common practice I'm by not celebs? Sure. I don't feel like it yeah. is. Just, just to focus a little bit on that. So the New York Times was invited to the wedding and the journalist wrote a piece on it. This is how the journalist opened the story. <laughs> Josh Radner and Jordana Jacobs were married outdoors this month amid a snowstorm with their 164 snow-drenched guests <laughs> shivering in the 20-degree evening air. Dr. Jacobs read a 10-minute monologue about her beloved and Mr. Radner responded with a 10-minute soliloquy. <laughs> no strangers to extraordinary circumstances, the couple fell for each other while tripping on mushrooms. So, <laughs> I couldn't that be more is in. the opening paragraph. And I was like, I'm in. You've got me in. The mushrooms, a core part of this love story. I shall recap. Now, the New York Times, I am going to quote a lot from the New York Times. Please. Their copy is better than mine would ever be. They said, it was Feb 2022 and Dr. Jacobs, a clinical psychologist, and Mr. Radner, an actor and musician, were at a sound meditation retreat held in upstate New York, along with about 30 other people. There, they ingested a psychedelic mixture before lying on the floor at opposite sides of a large room. Masks covered their eyes as they listened to singing bowls and chimes. That's when Mr. Radner and Dr. Jacobs slid into the DMs of each other's consciousness. <laughs> That's too good. <laughs> That's her, Mr. Radner said. A voice told him, That's your woman. Across the room, in the psilocybin infused metaverse, Dr. Jacobs was having a conversation with her heart. What do you have to tell me? She asked it. <laughs> you know that man across the room, Josh? It replied, You are drawn to him. <laughs> so, after this trip, she went up to him and said, My heart was pulling at you. And he replied, Yes, you came up for me in the ceremony as well, but I'm not ready to talk about it. <laughs> He just left her Someone hanging. had a bad come down. <laughs> he just left her there. Now, after that, they ended up texting after the retreat. They got together. They fell in love. They got engaged. And then came the wedding. Woohoo! This just, all happened quite quickly. Yeah, in a couple of years. Okay. They decided that mushrooms would be the through line. So Naturally. the night before the wedding, there was a dinner with decorative <laughs> mushrooms integrated into the centerpieces. <laughs> The New York Times reported guests received welcome bags containing incense sticks, an incense dish, CBD tincture, and an intention kit with a paper and pen. We find that setting an intention can be a helpful way to drop in and calibrate your internal compass to true north, the instructions read. So this is for their wedding, just so that people could set intentions for the few days. I Presented without comment. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> the next day, January 6th. Sounds like a lot of fun, though. January 6th. <laughs> I love getting to a wedding and doing homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. They got married in a snowstorm. Now, this snowstorm had been predicted for days. The New York Times reported, the couple said they'd miscalculated in thinking that the heavy snow would start later than it did. Mr. Radner said the snow was two things, cold and anxiety producing, but also cosmic and divine. <laughs> I cannot explain how funny these images are. People are out there covered in snow. <laughs> They're out there. They did 20-minute vows while people were covered in snow. So not in a marquee. No one had umbrellas Outside out in, in the elements. <laughs> oh, no. Because the umbrellas were probably people, too ugly to photograph, I bet. people had umbrellas, but they too were covered in snow. It was just snow fucking... I would be... Sorry. I would be filthy if someone didn't have a backup plan to have the wedding inside in the middle of a snowstorm. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's, Are you kidding? Yeah. I, I was at a wedding once and it was like 23-degree heat and the sun was bearing down on me. I'm like, I can't live in these conditions. Yeah, it's hard. I knew I was there. You were there. You almost passed out. I was hungover. Zara and I were like, we must stand in the shade of a tree. I'm done. 
tiring. <laughs> now, I, the bride in her vows, I'm interested in what you guys think. I don't know if I'm just being judgmental. Yeah. Maybe I am. She promised her groom space as her first vow. She said, my first vow is freedom, which also means we are free to stay. Or if this relationship ever evolves in such a way that it is no longer serving our highest good, we are free to go. I think that's real. Uh, I have to say, I think a great foundation for a relationship that you don't feel like you're stuck there. The first vow. (laughs) The first vow of your wedding, Annabelle, is you want someone to say to you, if I don't like you so much anymore, I'm outie. Yeah, and maybe as an inclusion in the vows, it's kind of a weird one. Like, yeah, yeah, we can always have that as a fallback. Chat about it behind the scenes. (laughs) We always choose each other. We choose to be here is a nice. Anyway, I'm being picky. (laughs) It was so fucking cold out in a snowstorm that he had to warm her feet with a hairdryer. After the ceremony. <laughs> Everyone, I'm thinking of Prince Harry's frostbitten penis. Yeah, genuinely, you're so cold. Did anyone get frostbitten genitals? Genu- I don't know. Now, around 10.30pm, a member of the venue staff made an announcement. The roads were closed because of the snowstorm. Every single person would have to stay a night at this wedding. Up. This included all guests, the 10 members of the wedding band, the event planners, the venue staff members, and the New York Times <laughs> and photographer. I wanted to read you a passage from the cut now because I said to you at the top of this, they were very sassy and I thought, what better way to round this out than with their sassiness? They said, despite meteorologists warning of a snowstorm for days, Radner and Jacobs proceeded with their outdoor wedding, leaving 160 64 guests shivering in the snow as the couple read their vows for a bone-chilling 20 minutes. (laughs) The snow was two things, Radner said, cold and anxiety-juicing, but also cosmic and divine. I'm not sure if accidentally trapping a Times reporter at your January 6th wedding is cosmic and divine, (laughs) but each to his own. She was assigned a top bunk in a room already occupied by wedding guests, by the way. (laughs) Sorry, they shoved the Times reporter in a bunk bed with (laughs) friend of ours. His dog, Nelson, was the groomsman. I just had to leave that there. Do we like Josh Radner? Who would you rather rather have a drink with? King Frederick or Josh Radner? I think I'd rather Josh Radner. I don't know. I feel like I'd get more from Josh Radner. He'd be more fun. Well, do you know what? I'm pretty sure on this podcast before I've recommended like a TED talk from Josh Radner that I love. (laughs) He's got a brain. He's He's got a big brain unlike him. So don't get me wrong. I find this story very funny, but I still loved that video he did. I still think King Frederick. But anyway, that's um, that's that. King Fred wouldn't want to talk to you, though. He wouldn't even give you five minutes. Whereas Josh would give you the whole... King Fred would be like, hi, I'm King Fred. This is five minutes too long. Can we wrap it up? (laughs) Thank you, next bitch. And now it's time for... And that's my two cents. Thank you, Kent Brockman. (laughs) Guys, this week... (laughs) Pull it together. A piece written by Freya India in her blog, Girls, went kind of viral. The headline was, you don't need to document everything, and it was pretty direct. Put your phone away, essentially. Freya wasn't writing something entirely new. The idea that young people are on social media too much is something we've all seen before. But her specific words on the topic struck a chord. The piece is everywhere right now and people are loving it. But I just do not feel the same way. Walk me through it. How did you stumble on this story? I found it because of Maggie Zhao. She is, of course, a friend of Shameless Media. She's one of our Ask Shameless columnists. She's a wonderful writer and content creator. Maggie was raving about this on TikTok. She was a big fan of it. And I want to say from the outset, Maggie is so beloved. I'm just disagreeing with her stance on this one article, obviously. Now, her review of the piece got 52,000 likes on TikTok. The piece itself has been shared so widely. I'm guessing over 100,000 people at least have read this this week. Yeah, I agree with that. I read it. I also saw it on Maggie's TikTok at the same time, I think. Mm. So that's how I was exposed to this. Yeah. Essentially, as I said, the crux of Freya India's piece is that culturally we document our lives far too much. I'm going to read you some of the passages. I think I actually need to read out a bit because how else can I get your honest takes on it unless I repackage it for you? Is that okay? Please, go for your life. Wonderful. Freya opened by talking about the worst of the worst when it comes to social media. So particularly parent influencers who exploit their kids for profit or maybe couples who use their relationship to promote a false reality of what romance looks like these days. And then we had this passage. Influencers are, of course, the most extreme example 
examples. But this impulse is so ingrained in everyone now, this pressure to post everything. And I think it's a massive cause of anxiety for Gen Z. There's a sense now that something didn't happen if you don't share it. There are young people who wouldn't understand going to an event, traveling somewhere, being in a relationship if they couldn't post about it. They would not see the point. They simply cannot conceive of a life that exists without an audience consuming it. Another couple of passages I found interesting were, we're so addictive and used to reflexively recording everything that we end up excusing the weirdest behavior. They just want to remember the fireworks. Really? There's crowds of people all capturing the same thing. They will likely never watch that video back. And if they're posting it online, that's not for memories. It's for attention. There was also this. I think if this generation is on track to regret anything, it will be the time we wasted documenting and editing and filtering and marketing ourselves for social media. Truly empowered people do not depend on external validation for every feeling or opinion or decision they make. Isn't that just a basic rule in life? That those who are the loudest about their achievements and relationships and morality often have the most doubts about them. If you're really in it, the absolute last thing you want or think about doing is taking out your phone, cutting through it and cheapening it. The best love is quiet. The best confidence is quiet. And so are the lives with the most meaning. Other points included that strangers don't care about you. And that's a fundamental truth. That influencers are not people to aspire to because they are superficial and empty. And then finished with, so put the camera down. Don't document everything. Stop selling your life off so cheaply to strangers Keep some things sacred, let some memories fade and look back at them through fuzzy nostalgia instead of the cheap glare of an iPhone camera roll. Enjoy the fireworks. All right. What do you guys make of that? Quite a few things. I think as I was reading this story, I had a few thoughts. The first was every so often there'd be a line where I'm like, that's so bang on. It is so true. There are other lines where I was like, I don't know if this is true. And I think my confusion with this piece is, are we talking about the 1% of influencers or are we talking about us like mm. everyday people and how we're capturing content because I do think those two things are quite different and I found the overlap between those two concepts a little bit confusing. I think the other thing that kind of loses me in stories like this is there was a line which was which is why I also really resent this assumption that people who don't post much on social media are insecure or unhappy or hiding something. I don't know if we actually think no. that as a collective. I don't think that there's an assumption that if you're not posting on social media, you're insecure, unhappy or hiding something. Hiding something. Mm. I've never thought that. I don't think it's ever been a conversation. My personal perspective on it was that if people don't post on social media, the opposite is true, that they're like actually not seeking external validation or just living their lives and they don't really care and they're just doing their own thing. Oh, yeah. Is that the sense that I you guys have? I think if you're asking what's the cooler thing, like I th regard celebrities who aren't on social media at all as quite cool. Yes, yeah. I'm like, a mystery Margot Robbie, it. for example, I'm yeah. always like, wow, she can do it and she can live her life and feel like this is a waste of her time. I don't have negative feelings towards people off social media. Some of my friends in our friendship group aren't on it. And I've asked them about it, but not in a way to be like, what are you hiding? Mm. I've asked them to be like, that's kind of cool. I've also got to say, this kind of reads like a response piece to some culture where people who aren't on social media are some outcast group that really cop it. And I think that was a central point that really confused me. I was reading as if to be like, wow, it's all, there's almost like a, a frustration or an anger here as if the people on social media are so judgmental to those who are off it. Where when I'm looking around in the world and from what I'm seeing, the people we're most judgmental of are, are influencers. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's so interesting because there was a quote that you read out earlier that I wanted to unpack, which is, the best love is quiet, the best confidence is quiet, and so are the lives with the most meaning. And I read that and I thought, I mean, I could spend hours unpacking those lines. I don't know how I feel about it. I think the one thing that I absolutely agree with is that the best confidence is quiet. I always really respect a quiet confidence. I think a lot of us do. I think that's why the concept of BDE went so viral mm. because actually all we're talking about is quiet confidence. Mm. So I agree with her in that sense. But I did find the rest slightly reductive. I felt like it was slightly snobby almost because to say the best love is quiet and the lives with the most meaning are quiet is quite a tough thing to tell people when we're living in a world where we kind of have to exist online. Yeah. And I found that kind of hard because I think there's just like a, a need for slight more nuance here. I think there is truth to the idea that if someone's constantly putting their relationship in front of your face, sometimes it makes me believe it less. Oh, we've spoken that's about it. that before, for sure. But that said, 
I would talk about love and my relationship a lot if you wanted me to. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I don't necessarily think that would be quiet. And I don't know if you could argue that my life would be more devoid of meaning if I'm posting more. Like if I'm going on a holiday and a posting lot, it's not because the holiday is devoid of meaning. It's just because I wanted to share it. I'm not kind of connecting, connecting the, the dots. dots. One thing I feel having read this piece and kind of sitting with it over the last few days, I think it's actually quite loaded. I think it was written in a way that was careful. It didn't call out female influences or mum influences. It was quite careful just to say influences as a gender neutral term. But if we're looking at the people who are predominantly sharing the intricacies of their lives, vlogging, whatever, on social media, we're largely talking about women. And I feel like the idea of telling women to live quietly is just... It just sits with me oddly. I also think if we're talking about confidence and we're talking about being self-assured about the way you live your life, you actually don't really give a fuck what other people are doing. At 29, I can happily say I adore social media. I get so much joy out of it. I love scrolling. I love creating. I love posting. I am so happy for anyone. Like Zara, I know you have a different relationship sometimes with it. And that is so fair enough. True confidence is knowing what you enjoy and how you want to live your life and actually not judging other people for the way they live theirs. Me filming fireworks on my phone does not affect anyone. I look at the women in my life and I know so many of them love capturing their lives, even if they don't look back on it, which I actually think they do. I think that's false. That's a falsehood to say people don't look back in their camera roll. I, for one, definitely do. There's a few things here in terms of the camera roll thing. I think one of the great joys of being on a plane is going back through my camera roll. And I know I'm not on a plane the whole time, but in terms of capturing memories, I will spend such a great deal of time going back through my camera roll and talking to my partner or my friend, whoever is next to me, and being like, oh my God, remember this. I find that quite joyful in remembering Mm -hmm. those times. And with that in mind, as I'm sitting here, I'm realizing that even though in the moment when I'm posting on Instagram, if I'm to really like excavate my reasons for posting, I don't think I'm posting for me. (laughs) I think I'm posting for others. Mm. But I would say over time that post is one for me because I also have a habit of going back through my own Instagram account and reminiscing that way. And yes, obviously it's a highlights reel of my own life. I know that. Mm. But I enjoy it because I think it's sort of like a neat snapshot so yeah. that I don't have to go through my camera roll. And I do I do really enjoy that. I hate to be the fangirl for social media, but in some ways it is like a time capsule that you can look back and see how much you've grown up. I do that myself all the time. I posted something last week that I wouldn't have been able to post if I didn't have Instagram and if I didn't share so much. I, I shared a photo of us, Zara, in your parents' home office recording one of the first episodes of Shameless in like, you know, quite an amateur setup. We were on a trestle table. And then I did a fast forward to now in 2024 with our team of 14, I wouldn't be able to have those moments if I didn't diarize my life through social media. Yes, completely. That said, Mish, I agree with you to some level, but I also think there could have been a really great piece here. I really do in that, like, I don't think young people know what it's like to move through the world without feeling like they need to live for an audience. I definitely think there's an important conversation to be had there. And I do think it's damaging to your psyche and to your self-confidence. Absolutely. Is this a bit patronising to Gen Z? We have so many Gen Zers in the office. You are one, Annabelle. Mm. I just don't know if the Gen Z, this was targeting Gen Z. I've read out a quote. I think it's for millennials as well. Anyone who has grown up with social media, it is not a normal experience to feel like you're in a moment and thinking about how it's going to be consumed by other people. That's not normal. And I don't think anyone can argue with that. And there is a point to be had there. I think both things are true. I think in many ways, yes, I agree. We're actually talking about women here when we're talking about it. I think think we are. I think any kind of... But just as equally, I think it's worth saying like, this piece wouldn't have gone viral, the one that I'm talking about. The yeah. piece about, like, how do we have healthy social media habits? Like, a boring. No yeah. one's going to click on that. Mm. It's not interesting. But I do think there's a grain here. It's also interesting because I remember my sister, when she went to the Harry Styles concert, maybe last year or the year before. I think it was last year. And she was like, I'm just going to be in the moment. I'm not going to film anything. Because, you know, when you're at a concert and you're filming like a million different videos and then you're like, why didn't I just enjoy it all? Yeah. I look back through them and I'm just yelling at them. Do you feel like them. you don't enjoy it though when you well, film it? no, because she, after it was like, I regret not taking more videos because yeah. now I feel like I have nothing to go back for. So I was trying to be in the moment. But in many ways, I still want to be in the moment months later. Well, this is the thing. When people are saying, put your phone down, don't film the fireworks, for example. 
I don't think my enjoyment of the fireworks is at all tainted by my phone being in my hand. I enjoy the ritual of capturing life. And I feel like we have various practices since the dawn of time of capturing life and diarizing it and memorizing it that are special. And yes, there are elements of social media, don't get me wrong, that feel tacky and feel cheap and all those things. But I feel like these kind of pieces are laced with so much shame. It's shaming people, particularly women, for enjoying something that the intellectuals deem to be frivolous and probably vain and all those things. I think it's a vanity point for sure. I think the vanity point is laced through like love, the best love being quiet and all of those kinds of things to be like, if you're quiet about things, it means more. Just like shut up. Yeah. I also think the point that's missing here in this conversation is like, none of us chose to grow up in a generation where social media was here. Mm. Like you're kind of expecting so much of us to reject a tsunami, to be able to fight a tsunami of like social media and having to be present and having to have our own personal brand. And like, yes, maybe that's not ideal, but it takes a particular type of person to grow up amongst that and be able to reject it. And I'm Mm. not one of them. Mm. And so many people aren't one of them. And I think it's expecting a lot of us to not grow up like this and not be this way. Yeah, I think as well, this essay reminded me of that quote, and I've said I don't love this quote before, but everyone wheels it out all the time. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. A big through line in this piece, a direct quote was, strangers don't care about your life. And I actually disagree with I that. Disagree. I disagree. I care from the random people that come up on my TikTok feed who maybe don't even have many followers but have one video go viral of their opinion or their vlog or their outfit that day to the influencers who have millions of followers. I care about people's lives and I refuse to feel like I am any less of a great mind because I like that. But don't you think that that kind of – it doesn't really make sense to me, that point, because – Social media is a thing because we actually innately care about strangers' lives. Social media would not thrive. TikTok would not be the biggest platform in the world with its For You page if we didn't care about strangers' lives. And I wonder if the point she actually means is like strangers don't care about you at a fundamental level or something like that. Maybe. I don't want to like misquote her or like take her words out of context. But the concept that strangers don't care about you, I like to watch. I I do do And I care. How do you feel, Annabelle? I agree with you, Zara, about how we didn't choose to grow up in this world of social media. Because when you read out that line about capturing the fireworks and then how the writer said, that's attention-seeking inherently. I think that's very unfair and very black and white. And I think a lot of this is way too black and white. Because while I capture moments sometimes because I want to look back at them, I also sometimes do it because everyone else is doing it. And it's like, well, I've either got to go along with the crowd and like keep up or I'm just like, I'm left out. Am I going to be the only one that's going to forget exactly. this moment mm. if everybody else is capturing it? It's really interesting. As I said, like, I think this piece could have had something like there's a grain. For me, there's a grain there, mm. but I think it's too black and white and I think it's too reductive. Yeah. To me. I just wish this piece and maybe it wouldn't have gone as viral, but I think it would have been more accurate, had focused on the individual experience of being off social media I absolutely appreciate some people live a happier more fulfilled life away from social media I wish they just made it about them personally instead of casting judgment upon people who happen to have different interests and happen to like sharing and enjoy seeing other people share in return that's a lot of sense (laughs) also need to be self-aware one of my new year's resolutions was post a tiktok a week (laughs) michelle feels invested (laughs) guys that is all we've got time for today big thank you to our producer annabelle lee for editing this one we will be back in your ears on monday for another episode of scandal we are midway through our kylie jenner scandal so Mm. i really just said the Kardashians aren't relevant. <laughs> you did say Kylie Jenner people care. Kylie about. Jenner, and I would say to some extent Kendall Jenner. I wanted to add that in earlier in the episode, but I've said it now. So the Jenners, relevant. Kardashians, struggling a little bit, maybe back to the lollipops. Listen to our scandal episode. And if you have not subscribed to Smart Dumb Stuff, we will have a link in our show notes. It's the best newsletter on the internet. That's all I'm going to say. Bye. <laughs> Apart from us, shameless. Oh, sorry. Yes, that one too. <laughs> Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.